The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And this week on the podcast, I have a familiar face. Well, familiar name, maybe. Not so much a familiar face because he's always behind the camera. Brett Kosmeiter joining me in the podcast studio today. Brett, thanks for jumping in. My pleasure. It's good to be here. And we are here to talk about filmmaking and particularly his work making the Ridge and Swale documentary that came out in April from Peninsula Filmworks. And the reason we're talking about it again is because this Saturday at 2 p.m., there is an encore presentation at the Door Community Auditorium. And then in a couple of weeks after this, there is another presentation screening of the film at the Miller Art Museum. So a couple of opportunities for folks in Northern Door and Southern Door. If you haven't seen the Ridge and Swale documentary, the first one Saturday, November 18th at the Door Community Auditorium at 2 p.m. A little earlier in the afternoon, so you're not committed to the late night. Give you plenty of time to get down there, watch the show, go out and get some dinner. But it is something to see on the big screen. So that said, that's why we got Brett in here, because we want to talk a little bit about how it all came together. Because, Brett, how long did you work on Ridge and Swale? Wow. I think the idea was formulated probably 10 years ago when David Elliott and yourself and myself, we were talking about projects and things that get us excited about Door County. And we realized that there's this tremendous conservation history here in the county. But, you know, we kind of had to do some business to keep things afloat <laughs> first. And then a uh, pandemic happened. We finally decided we should get the project going. And so two years, at least two years of, of actual production. Pandemic happens and it goes, hey, we have a video company and we can't be in the same room with anybody to video <laughs> take right, any exactly. video of them. So Exactly. Yeah. The world turned upside down, obviously. So it gave us time to, to think about what meant a lot to us. And at a certain part of your life where you go, you know, we should do that dream project. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was at least two years of production. In the weeds production. And effort saying we are doing this. But, you know, I think in the back of my mind, at least for the last 10 years, I was thinking about this project. And so it's like, oh, that'd be a cool shot for you know, this, I know the sun's going to come up over here and there's going to be fog and whatever. And so it's some mighty epic stuff that, you know, you just think I, I have to go shoot it because it's beautiful stuff. And, um, and so I, I went back into that archive of footage at times to tell the story, the overall story that we had committed to. What you're talking about is this, a lot of the really great Door County photographers and you both as a photographer and a filmmaker, sometimes you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I know that that looks awesome at this time of day, at this time of year, when this is blooming or when these colors come out, I want that shot. And I don't know how I'm going to use it one day, but I'm getting it. Yeah, right? all the time. All the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just filming the cool stuff that I know is going to happen. And no, that's not true. I mean, <laughs> but it's like, it should take you 10 minutes to get here. How come it took you an hour? Well, there was a cool shot. Had to get it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that happens frequently. Let's say maybe I should have started this way, but we'll backtrack a bit. So Ridge and Swale, somebody who doesn't know it, maybe they've seen the ads or maybe they haven't seen anything about it. Give us the short synopsis of what Ridge and Swale is all about. All right. I'll have to try to remember my elevator pitch. Ridge and Swale is a, uh, a documentary film that tells the story of Door County's conservation history. 
And that starts back as far as the creation of Peninsula State Park, which was, uh, and now you're going to get me on these dates here. Um, uh, you can ballpark uh, it. 19, <laughs> early 1900s, early 1900s. I mean, it's, it's wishy-washy in there because it was created by legislature, state legislature, and then it actually really didn't kind of become an official park till maybe a couple of years later. So early 1900s, and that kind of kicked it off. That was when there were a lot of parks being created in the United States at that time. It was a very new concept. And so like Yellowstone was 1896, I believe, and all sorts of other national parks were being, it was gaining a lot of momentum mm. as a movement. And so Wisconsin, the folks here uh, in the state legislature thought, hmm, we should do this, create parks and, and save some of the natural beauty for posterity and for future generations. And so that kind of kicked it off and um, went on to the, like the Ridges Sanctuary was kind of the next big movement where that was Wisconsin's first land trust. And that was in the 1930s, I believe. That was a total grassroots effort where there was a, a Albert Fuller was his name. There you go. I'm trying to get these <laughs> names right. Uh, came from uh, the Milwaukee Public Museum to study the orchids uh, in the 20s. The area where he was seeing these orchids or observing them and studying them was being threatened with development. And so he and some locals, local Door County residents, I should say, uh, got together once this threat was apparent and bought land around the, this 40-acre parcel in Bailey's Harbor to eventually save this landscape for, again, for future generations. But all those kind of things happened really basically hundred over 100 years ago. And I think a lot of people don't realize that as they go to the state parks and places like the Ridges and some of the land trust preserves that it takes time to preserve these places for our enjoyment today. And that's kind of mind-boggling to me. Even to this day, I go hiking in Peninsula State Park frequently, and I have to think, this place is over 125 years old. Like, hmm. it, it's preserved in this way. I mean, granted, Peninsula Park didn't really become what we know of it today until probably the the late 1930s, yeah. when the Civilian Conservation Corps came in and did a lot of the improvements. But even then, I mean, it's a good 80-plus years that it is like a taking a step back in time. Well, what I like about what you did, and, and I've come across this in articles too, and it surprised me at the time, but just realizing the fight that it takes. It's very easy to take Peninsula State Park for granted. It's very easy to take the ridges, Newport, all these great natural amenities that we have for granted. And then I think it's important to remind people, like for us today, when, you're, when people are worried about development in the county or preserving what we are, it's like, well, it, it will take work, just like it took work way back then when development wasn't nearly what it was, but there was a big fight over Peninsula State Park. Yeah. Um, one of the, I guess, cherished historians of the county, um, <laughs> Hallmar Holland, was involved in that resistance to the park. He owned a cherry orchard in the park, within the park boundary, the proposed park boundary at the time. And uh, he didn't want to have to sell that land off. There's an epic battle in the local newspapers, a battle of words, shall we say, and just the volleys back and forth between the two sides in print. And you can read it today. You can go onto the mm -hmm. Door County Library's website and they have all the newspapers archived and scanned. It's a tremendous resource. It's just really interesting to read these exchanges where they're undercutting each other. And I mean, it sounds an awful lot like kind of contemporary politics, actually. <laughs> so, um, and um, Maybe we haven't changed all that much. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, each state park has its very unique origin story. Not all parks are created the same way. 
And I think that goes for just about any, like it, it carries into national parks as well, but here locally, very interesting to understand like what people did to either convince uh, one, one state park, Whitefish Dunes was created on a county referendum uh, huh. because it had failed as a county board vote two or three times previous because at some point after Peninsula Park was created and after Potawatomi Park was next in the 20s, 1927, after that, the county board said, we're, we're not going to let the state take any more of our land. Mm-hmm. So they created a, a law that said anything that the state wants to take for, and the, the, some of the details I'm sketchy on, but basically it said the county board has to agree to this. And mm-hmm. so every park after that, the county had to sign off on it, which is interesting wow. uh, because then you had these uh, wealthy landowners say like Ferdinand Holtz owned a ton of land in the county and the, uh, up until his death in the 1940s. And um, his family basically sold it to the state saying this has to be a state park or a park preserved in a wilderness state in perpetuity. Mm. So that had to pass at the county level as well. And hmm. so did in Rock Island. That was another one that was basically gifted to the state, or it was it was sold at a you know very yeah. agreeable rate. But that was another one in the '60s where that had to pass the local. So by the time they got to Whitefish Dunes in the uh, mid '60s, there was huge local resistance in the local township there, both for taking it off the tax rolls and taking it away from private property and private development opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I, I love walking the beach there. It's one of the longest stretches of beach in the county, if not the longest. I think, I'm trying to think of the other one would be Europe Bay Beach. But yeah, that's probably the only one in the same ballpark. Right. And then you go to other places like Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I recently did a backpacking trip at uh, Pictured Rocks, and there's a beach there that's 12 miles long, I think. Uh, I mean, just to think of, like, in perspective, the beach in both Europe Bay and, and Whitefish Dunes is about a mile long. Yeah. We really don't have that much of those types of amenities here. As much as we have this great shoreline and stuff, we don't have those long stretches of sand beach that are maybe common in Michigan, the west coast of Michigan in particular. So now you think, like, we almost didn't preserve those. Europe Bay was, I talked to family members of the, the Hoach descendants just a couple of years ago, and one of them was like, I still wish we would have sold that off. We could have made so much more money. And luckily, that person wasn't the winner of the day because Europe Bay Beach is you know, one of the gems of the entire county. It's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, a great like year-round kind of thing. It's a great place to walk your dog in the winter. And you, know, just, uh, and, and, and you think of like what Door County would be like without these places. And those are just two really great beaches that we're talking about. But there's other... You know, everybody has their favorite kind of place yeah. to go. The county parks, that's another one that until recently kind of went unnoticed, I feel like. And that was another, we, we can mention, there's a whole bunch of, there's a cast of characters in this documentary. We should talk about that a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, there's Thomas Reynolds, the assemblyman from Jacksonport, who fought very hard for Peninsula State Park. And you think about that, he, Jacksonport, he's not a Fish Creek guy, but he recognized the importance of this and then kept going to bat for this. Jens Jensen, who integral in both the ridges, the clearing, the design of some of our favorite roads, the origin stories of like Whitefish Dunes and, and Newport, a lot of influence there. Emma Toft, who, you know, the ridges doesn't exist without Emma Toft and some of these other natural areas. And when you read the story, like it's easy to look at like a one paragraph synopsis of these places and be like, oh, and then they created it. And it wasn't that linear. It was 
disappointment. It was denial. It was fights with your neighbors. And when you tell the, like, it's, it's instructive to me to hear these and apply those same lessons to what we're dealing with today, whether it be affordable housing or the conservation efforts we, we want to undertake today. And you go, okay, like you can't just go, you can't throw your hands up. You can't let the disappointment and the failures stop you from working on it because everything that we've done that's been helpful in this community was hard and people fought against it. Every single thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's even recently there was an effort to um, consider preserving the islands north of the tip of the peninsula as a national park. I'm not sure if that movement has maintained its momentum, but right. I mean, those, those, uh, another one, the trail, the community trail that, you know, will uh, hopefully link the different communities. Uh, and I think uh, Egg Harbor has a big Oh yeah, uh, for the, the multimodal trail mm-hmm. that, full disclosure, I'm, I'm involved in that project. And it, it is one of those that's like, my whole life there's been talk about it and it's never gotten anywhere. And right now there's a pretty good group and Susan Stauber leading the way of like just hammering away at this thing and until you convince people. And I've talked to people in other areas like Traverse City, which has a great off-road bike trail. And they'll tell you the same thing. Like, yeah, it takes convincing. Property owners don't say yes the first time. Sometimes not the second time, not the third time. The municipalities often say no, and then they see it, and you prove it, and then they say, oh, that was a good idea. Just like me. I said, I thought the crest was a bad idea, and that was stupid, right? <laughs> it turns out it's a great one. So people take some hammering over the head. I think that's what I really enjoyed about putting this documentary together was like realizing that the struggles of the past are both very relevant to what we're dealing with today, but also it gives perspective as to how long these efforts take. If it means that much to you know, a group of people or a, a lot of people, uh, you know, if you think of the state parks, it impacts millions of people in a, in a very yeah. positive, beneficial way. Great things aren't exactly easy. If it came easy, you know, everybody would do it kind of thing. But yeah. do we need more parks? Sure. I think the, the pandemic really emphasized that you really need outdoor spaces as a, as a human being just to maybe deal with the, the complexities of modern, you know, society. I certainly find solace just unplugging and getting out to these places. I mean, Door County wouldn't be what it is without the parks. The county parks are another great example of that where a lot of these parks are undeveloped. And so you can go there and and really just kind of unplug and and get away from as busy as downtown Sister Bay might be. You can take a, a 10 minute drive, not even up to Ellison Bluff and just completely get away from everything. Right. And that's something that wasn't, you know, that was the vision of that park in particular. And a lot of the county parks was Jens Jensen again. And, um, you know, as far back as the 1930s, he was on the Door County Parks Board in uh, the mid 40s. (laughs) Interestingly enough, his predecessor was Hallmar Holland, the man who was fighting fighting against Peninsula State Park. So it, it's just a very, I, I thought it was a very, and the thing about the documentary, about the film, as many as the stories that are in the documentary, in the film, there are so many more that I just couldn't fit in. There was so much, it could have been a 12 hour piece. And I, was, <laughs> I don't know who would want to sit through that, but, and, and it's also, you know, a testament to the richness of the culture here going way back. It touches on a lot of very interesting concepts and, and pieces of history. It's not all history either. I mean, a good half of the film is about what's happening here right now. Right. Um, and because of those conservation efforts, there's 
a ton of science going on here and all year, really. That's something I never appreciated as much until that part of the film started to come to fruition. And, you know, because I'm like, oh, yeah, we conserve land, we set it aside. But then you have this whole segment about the folks researching bats, which is actually a pretty funny segment of the, of the film. And then the citizen science kind of movement at the ridges. Did you appreciate that as much going into this? I mean, I love history. That history section just really, those are just amazing stories. But I don't know what's my favorite part of the film. I mean, there's two distinct parts of the film. And the second part is all the contemporary stuff and the science and the things that are going on right now. And filming those segments really fired me up. I mean, I have three daughters and I think about their place in the world what they may be doing coming up, uh, getting out of school and going on with their lives. And to see the segment about the Heinz Emil dragonfly, there's um, a graduate students from University of South Dakota. They come to Door County to study this one species because we have the most, it's an endangered, you know, Heinz Emil dragonfly is an endangered species. So it's protected everywhere its habitat should be. But Door County has the largest population of Heinz Emil dragonflies in the world. And it's America's most endangered dragonfly. And here's these graduate students, and, and both of these ladies were immersed in this. This was their life's passion. And to see the next generation and girls, women, I'm thinking of my kids, my girls, and yeah. I'm like, I could see them doing this type of work hmm. and being really excited about it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I just want to kind of like give that whole thing a good push into like <laughs> in, in a very positive way to keep that momentum going. And it was just so exciting to see that work being done, crawling into the caves uh, in Egg Harbor and seeing the research that the DNR is doing with uh, a university partner, University of Virginia. Oh, and the orchid study being done right here by, I mean, there's a, a handful of scientists uh, on staff at the Ridges that do this research year in and year out. And that's really exciting to see. It's right here, and it kind of flies under the radar. And uh, I just really wanted to shine a light on that. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. 100 days of filming, 60 hours of footage. At least. 43 different interviews. 1,400 hours of editing seems like an understatement. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just going through some of these numbers you would give me, and yeah, I was yeah. just like, how did you kind of, like you've created a lot of short, shorter videos for us over the years at Peninsula Filmworks, like anything from two-minute to 15-minute historical yeah. stories. How hard was it to take your mindset and do a storytelling shift to, all right, this is a, I know it started as like a four-part idea, but like this is a two-hour full-length thing. Yeah. Like how how yeah. was that shift for you? It did take a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a huge shift in one's like approach to a project because there's much longer lines in, in every which way. And as you're putting together, stringing together the stories in conceptually, and then you commit it to paper in some which way to create an outline or whatever, and you look at it and say, yeah, that seems about right. But as you're sitting there in an interview with somebody and you're listening to what they're saying and 
I'll edit in my head. During an interview, I'll be editing what's going on, uh, what's being said. I'm like, I can use that over here, and I can use that, this, what they said about this over there. But then you create this, like, matrix in your head of all these different sound bites, you know. And it gets a little confusing at times until you actually start editing. But, yeah, it, it was a much different outlay, a different mentality going into it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's the biggest puzzle that I've ever had to put together. Yeah. If you think of a five-minute video, which, I mean, the three to five-minute type thing, we would typically do that for, you know, work work for hire type stuff, little pieces that stand alone. And yes, you're right. We did, that was kind of our stock and trade for eight years. And um, that's something you can put together uh, maybe in a week. <laughs> yeah, everything <laughs> falls into place. Yeah, exactly. And then something like this, I mean, like wrapping my head around Oh wait, this thread is even longer. You know, the shorter film. You 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 talk about self editing in the process a little bit. Like you might find something interesting, and you're just like, "There's no chance that that fits a five minute." Like, and it's just gone. It's easy to cut. Yeah. Was it harder to go? Like, you're, you're hearing these great stories. These people you talk to, whether it be Doug. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he had then, he had a bunch of great stuff. Or Bill Tischler, or Steve Leonard. You're talking to a bunch of people who have a lot of history, a lot of knowledge, a lot of tangents that you could go down. And you're like, well, we got two hours. I might need that. I would think that would be part of the yeah. Hard um, part. The other thing too is also then directing the interview. So you walk in there, and it's not just splatter spray questions where you could ask this person about their whole life, and you could be sitting there for five hours. Yeah, you really got to like hone it down into, and kind of have your narrative already in your head before you sit down with this person. And it might involve having a pre-interview, which you know we. We kind of go and explore without recording, without cameras or anything, and figure out how does this person fit into the narrative. Like, we might have a suspicion, like, you know what, they probably sound good about, they could speak well about this thing, say, Knowles Nelson Stewardship Fund. That's one of those more contemporary pieces of history, but it's extremely instrumental for what goes on up here as far as land acquisition right now. Mm. I got really good sound bites from people on that particular story from sources I didn't anticipate. Um, it was just kind of a throw in question, like, you know what, what do you think about Knowles Nelson? And boom, I would get, you know, pretty magical responses. That's the kind of thing where you have to, you, you can't budget for discovery in your production process. You have what you have pre-formulated and then you have to allow for discovery, which is you, you might, Hey, I didn't know you're an expert in bats. Wow. Cool. Tell me about that because I've got a little, <laughs> I've got a little segment in the piece about bats, you know? And, and that's actually really exciting. And I had so many tangents from discovery in producing this that at the end of the, every interview, someone would, the cameras would cut and someone would say, whoever I was interviewing might say, you know what, you should really talk to so-and-so about this thing. And then I'd go track them down. And sure enough, they had a great story. And there must be easily a dozen of these like little tangents or little stories that I just couldn't fit in. Again, it could have been a 12-hour deal. And that's the also the thing of, like, what makes a good film? And, I mean, I might be biased, but I think this is a great film. Um, <laughs> but is editing. And so, you know, that's really, I think, what makes good filmmakers knowing, like, yeah, that's a little that's a little heavy over there. Let's cut this, trim this, cut that, take that thing out. Of course, that's, you know, what contributes to style of the right. filmmaking. And so some another person might look at that differently. And that's what makes... I guess that's what's exciting about filmmaking to me is that it could be anybody else could look at this story and say, I'd tell it a different way. And I right. might be really excited about that film too. Yeah. So I, I think it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to do that thing. Door County is like just 
full of amazing stories. So I'm pretty excited that I'm here and have the opportunity to tell those stories. So last April, when you did the first showing at the Door Community Auditorium, and you're getting to see your film up on the big screen there with a few hundred people in the audience, what was it like to do that? Was that horribly uh, nerve-wracking? It, it was surreal. I, mean, I, was like, I don't think, uh, I'm trying to think the last time I had anything put onto a big screen like that. Typically, the work that we do at Filmworks shows up on social media. Yeah. And rarely, rarely we might do a spot for the drive-in, which, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is probably the, the last time I saw anything I did on a large screen. And, you know, you go to the drive-in and uh, you're like, ha, there's our, there's our spot for good eggs or something like that, you know. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's pretty cool. But it's over after, whatever, a minute or whatever. But, yeah, we're setting this up and we're at the Door Community Auditorium. And uh, when people start filing in, it's that whole thing of like a live audience. Because most of what you do is solid. Like you work a lot by yourself you as kinda, an yeah. editor and well, and uh, filmer. <laughs> some would argue that filmmaking is a collaborative, and it is a collaborative pursuit. The pandemic kind of forced me to find ways to work independently. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't like doing it, but I can do an interview solo. <laughs> <laughs> so normally that's the job of like, uh, I don't know, three or four people. Yeah. And is it as dynamic or creative as I'd want it to be? Visually, maybe not necessarily, but I found a way to do it. You know, the pandemic kind of really forced that. And editing could be more collaborative, but it's a very solitary pursuit individually. And then... You, you know, we, we did have, I would say yeah, it was a collaborative, you know, but David Elliott and I worked pretty, pretty closely together right. on, on formulating the, the narrative. And then um, I, I pulled you in uh, mm -hmm. for interviews here and there, and I had a few other people help me out. But yeah, I think pretty much. But, uh, but then to go from that either solo to a couple people to like actually watching it and, and, you know, you do a review process with Dave or us in the office here. Yeah. But then you're like, you're, like you said, you're watching people stream into the auditorium, the biggest venue in yeah. the county. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of blew me away. Uh, Cause in that moment of seeing it fill up and I, th I, I think we kind of filled up the place. It felt like uh, at least where I was, it looked like it was a full house. <laughs> And I'll be honest, I was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is way bigger than having your art put up on the refrigerator. You know, and typically our stuff hits social media. So I'll hear about it afterwards. Yeah. Somebody will say, and maybe just one or two people like, hey, I saw that thing you did. That was cool. Yeah. Um, and this, it's two hours. And, you know, when it wrapped up, I was kind of hanging out by the booth in the back, making sure it didn't stop playing. <laughs> 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 kind of like the nervous, uh, you know, just pacing a little bit. And uh, people filing out kind of, basically the verbal version of high five, you know. Yeah. Good job and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I kind of didn't know where I was. It was crazy. So, I mean, it was, I was very thankful for the accolades and, and it shows me that, wow, this stuff really means something to other people. Well, that is the cool thing about this is sitting in the auditorium. And then in the month since when I've heard so many people mention it, you have a documentary about conservation and history. A lot of the subjects are people who are long since dead that none of these people met, but hundreds of people came out and we're engaged with it. And the nice thing about when you do a screening like at the auditorium, they're one screen. They're not sitting on their phones. like, And they're not watching it in little segments at home. They're sitting there and then we're in it. And we're going to experience this. And in that case, it's a bunch of your neighbors experiencing it together, which is pretty cool. And hearing people afterward, I think my wife said to me, like, that Knowles Nelson, those two governors who came together or and did that thing, and it funds 
like preservation. That's really, that's really cool. That's amazing. I never knew about that. And I'm like, gosh, I just feel like it's so ingrained in my head having reported on it and covered so many of these things and, and covered the times when it was almost cut and, and saved that you take for granted that everyone knows that. Right. And it was really great to see this, the aftermath of the documentary and people just plain learning a lot about their own community and learning the history and learning the fight that went into it. Yeah. And that goes right back to the whole thing of like realizing that these places that we cherish, the preservation of them didn't happen overnight. And it, it may be a combination of numerous factors that led to preservation of this one particular place. There's a section in the doc where a lot of folks are talking about Knowles Nelson in particular, since we're on that. And you're right. That's not like dinner table terminology yeah. for most, <laughs> but the results of what it does is something that everyone knows and feels. And so what I wanted to have happen with this film was for people to realize the tools that are being utilized and threatened, to be honest, that lead to preservation of these places that we all love. And I think if those tools were to go away, and I mean, like, Nils Nelson is a one of them. Um, there's numerous grants and things that are on the federal level that organizations like the Door County Land Trust utilize to preserve the places that, that we love. If we're not aware, as a voting citizenry, of these programs, they could disappear. Yeah. And no one would know it. And then the question would be, like, well, how come we can't save this beach? We love this place like Pebble Beach, you know, and Sister Bay. Well... It, it's that grassroots effort will be snuffed out. And that's important to note because Pebble Beach and Egg Harbor are two most recent ones in Door County that I can think of that are big public spaces that benefit a ton of people that benefit from the Noles Nelson program. And those communities, maybe they would have stuck their neck out and bought that land if Noles Nelson never existed. But having covered most of these, usually when these decisions are made to make a purchase, like in, in the Pebble Beach case, over a million dollars, the village can justify it by going, we're going to apply for a grant and we're fairly confident that we have a good case to get at least some Knowles Nelson funding. At least we can get two hundred fifty or 500000 And that is enough of a, a baseline to make that decision to go, we'll take a risk on the rest and figure out. But we, we feel pretty confident we can get a chunk. Same thing with Egg Harbor expanding their beach down by the Alpine. Those things... And even Sister Bay's waterfront, where the, where the original purchase was supported with like a million dollars from Knowles Nelson. Those do not happen at all if they don't know that they can at least get some relief from that purchase. So that's where it comes in. It's like that discussion probably isn't even had without something like Knowles Nelson. And then we lose a Pebble Beach or we lose the Sister Bay waterfront or we lose a good chunk of Egg Harbor's Beach or and go on down the road. There's tons of these land trust properties that are funded with it. So it really has an impact in how we decide to form our communities. Yeah. And as you're explaining how that works, it reminded me of how everybody kind of has their starting point of when they discovered Door County, whether you grew up here and you had a revelation, you're like, oh, wow, this is a special place. Or you came here like somebody's parents brought you up here and went camping in Peninsula Park. That's like half, I swear, half of everybody's origin story. Half. It might be 90%. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and just think of that. That was the Peninsula, Peninsula Park was their first you know, exposure to Door County, and then they keep coming back the rest of their lives. Well, okay, everybody has their beginning, like when that memory was formed. Well, that memory is being formed for millions of people every year. And so 
everybody that's been around, been visiting Door County for a while has an idea of like, well, it's not the way it used to be. And to kind of combat that or to go up again, I, I'm just seeing, you know, everybody sees more and more development, right? And they're, they're saying, well, it's not the way it used to be. But that's always going to happen is what I'm getting at. But there also needs to be that preservation on the other side of that development, right? Where, okay, there's a new hotel. Well, okay, let's save the beach, you know? So we can maintain an equilibrium, so to speak, where right. we can still maintain the character of what makes Door County, which is, in my opinion, the natural beauty of the place. I mean, there's all sorts of other factors of what makes Door County, Door County, but we've had this internal, <laughs> not debate, but just discussion in the office about what, what is it that makes Door County so special? Well, and it kind of like distills down to like, well, it's the natural beauty, right? And then we can kind of debate that a little bit and be like, well, you know, it's all these restaurants. Well, no, wait a minute. Yeah, we got a great <laughs> culture up here and everything. But it really goes all the way back to the creation of Peninsula State Park. And I mean, I'll make that argument. Yeah. So I would love, like, it would be great if we could find a way to preserve more wild spaces or whatever's left, right? I had a high school teacher, Ron Lang, a legend at Gibraltar High School, who I remember him arguing, I think I was a freshman in high school, and he was saying, well, they should have made all of Door County should have been a national park. It should, they should have just created a national park. And I thought that was absurd. You know, as a 13, 14-year-old, right. what's special about this place? It's just where you grew up. And then right. you get around the world and you're like, oh, he was right. Actually, this would have been an incredible national park if, if they had done that. And they, there was talk of making, I think Potawatomi was, some of that conversation was about making that a national park. They probably should have, but they screwed that up, right? They well, didn't make that decision. Yeah. And on the plus side, it means we all get to live here, which is awesome. But, you know, we can still carve out little pieces of it. And I think of, as you were having that discussion about people's first memories where they're, they're touchstone places, the places they come back to. And I thought about, you know, I took three months driving around the, the West Coast once when I, when I was like 25, wondering like, oh, do I stay in North County? Do I leave? And when I came back from that, those several months away, the first place I went, I drove back home, drove all the way up to Sister Bay, and I went to Pebble Beach. I didn't go home, didn't unpack anything. I went to Pebble Beach and caught the sunset. And I just sat there by myself. You know, you talk about, like, getting away and finding a spot. And I was, I was like, all right, I'm home. This is, yeah. this is my, my good space, right? And when I had moved to Chicago, and then when my wife and I moved back up here, one of the first places we went after moving back was Pebble Beach. And it's, you know, just a couple of years ago, there were condos getting plotted out on that. And luckily... Village of Sister Bay and the Door County Land Trust worked together with some donors and found a way to make that happen and preserve it. And now it's it's great that now that I have kids, some of their first <laughs> pictures are sitting down at Pebble Beach and they'll come back to that place, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the history of when people visit Door County. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot of people that come to Door County and say, yeah, I, don't, I didn't like it. I, I mean, <laughs> that's what I think is really kind of amazing about this place is that there's kind of something for everybody. That's a great point. I, I actually have never thought of it that way either, but I'm wondering how many times people leave here and go like, you know, unless they just didn't get a wide experience, you know, I could see some people going like, oh, I just didn't like Egg Harbor. Or I didn't like Sister Bay or something. But like, if somebody actually gets a full door county experience, it's, it's hard to envision them. I haven't seen anybody that's come up to visit us here who didn't just like love it. Well, and that's the great thing about travel too. I mean, you can go to other places and, you know, I do it all the time, do a little comparison, say, oh, well, this is wonderful and everything, but whatever it might be, you know, if you go to the other side of the lake or whatever. Yeah, sure. I understand why a lot of Michiganders might bypass Door County because they're surrounded by water. I get it. But yes. when I was in Michigan, uh, I was wearing a Door County half marathon shirt and 
someone stopped me on the trail and said, hey, we're thinking of going there. Uh, what do you know about it? I said, oh, I live there. And so then you're instantly a ambassador for Door County and talking it up. And I said, but you're from Michigan. What, what do you think Door County has that you don't? And they're like, oh, we just heard it's... And she listed a litany of like all sorts of things. I'm like, you're right. The Door County is all those things. You should check it out. And, and so it just kind of reinforces that that it is pretty darn special up here. Which which is incumbent on us to to take care of it. Yeah, right? Ma- makes it even more powerful in that message, which I think comes through in this documentary. And and maybe I'll just ask you, like, what you know, you, you put this together. It's a documentary. It's somewhat of a journalistic endeavor. It's somewhat of a storytelling endeavor. It's somewhat of a activist endeavor like what do you hope people they watch this movie are you just like i hope you're entertained or what do you hope they're walking away with wow yeah i actually uh, when i kind of sat down to start the editing process i thought nah this is a what is this film i said no this is a love letter yeah really to me and to maybe to other people too but what do i want other people to walk away from this and learn having learned something or have a greater appreciation for probably that Door County wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for those that came before us. I know that's super generic, but there's a litany of stories that build this case. As a viewer, you go, okay, it took this, maybe a person had an idea and they convinced these other people that it was a great idea. So the first, kind of the first domino was tipped with Peninsula Park. And then, you know, another, other folks began to, as the park was created. There's other people thinking, oh, these species are special, like a plant species. It's a chorus of people through time that have steadily been kind of singing the praises of this place, but putting that into action by preserving these spaces, which again, I feel is the very fabric of what makes Door County what it is. I mean, it's the base foundation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of some of the stuff we talked about earlier in the podcast. And if you could have an epilogue that maybe would run after the credits, I was just thinking of the whole discussion about the Redmond property. Because we were talking about how people had to fight and had to just keep hammering at something and keep working to convince people that this was important. And you think of the the Redmond property in the town of Gibraltar, which kind of connects to Peninsula State Park. That vision started 25 years ago people trying over and over again and looking at different ways to possibly preserve that land. And just five years ago, I'm sitting in the Door Community Auditorium at a town hall meeting, and I wish we'd have had cameras rolling to include that in the documentary because people are saying, why would we do this? What a waste. How, like, we don't need to do this on our tax rolls. We don't need to take this off our tax rolls. And almost uh, the venom about it, and it gets resoundingly voted down. And one of the most disappointing days I've had covering anything, I just couldn't believe they said no to it. And then, you know, just this last spring, I'm in the Gibraltar Fire Station Hall, and they're voting again, and the the town had brought it back with uh, Travis Tyson did a lot of legwork on it, and they found a different way to sell it to people and approach it, and Steve Sones as a chairman and the other board members didn't let this just die and just walk away from it. And it's easy to do that when you go, you can just say, oh, they voted no, it's done. But they found another way to look at it. And this time it resoundingly passed just a few years later. And that was one of the proudest days I've had covering our community because I, you know, journalistically you're supposed to be in the middle, but like, you know, it's our hometown. You're not in the middle, right? <laughs> like, like, I think it's a really great thing. And I think like 30 years from now, nobody's going to be saying, 
gosh, I wish we hadn't saved that property. I wish this would have been developed. Right. Yeah. I was going to say something earlier, but this kind of goes back to um, everyone has their like favorite secret spot in Door County. So that property, it means a lot to me. My folks and their friends had a place on Spring Road and uh, we would spend our childhood summers and much of our summer there. And the trails behind the cottage, as we called it, would lead into what also we called the valley, <laughs> in, in air quotes. It was our playground. And that hooked up, that was all the Redmond property. Yeah. And uh, over the years, you saw it get kind of sliced up into condominium development. But there was that one last remaining chunk behind the settlement up on the highway. And when that was going through for a vote, I was so excited that it got preserved. It's only 100-some acres, but... It just, again, it, place, people will attach, you know, memories with a place and then, and then it's, it becomes, they want to, sh- you know, tell people like, this is a really special place. I recently walked that property and uh, it, it's an incredible asset for the town of Gibraltar. It's just absolutely incredible. It should be a part of the state park. Yeah. I mean, it really should. There's stuff in there that should be designated state natural area, in my opinion. And it holds a lot of memories for me on top of that. So maybe, right. I'm, maybe I'm a little biased on that, but I, I truly think it's... Uh, and, and the trail resource in there is excellent. Incredible, I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, boy, back in the day, there was a mountain bike race. It started at uh, the <laughs> Settlement Inn, and I think Stretch put it on, or somebody was behind it, the bike shop, and we would race down the, the hill there and into town. It was pretty incredible. But yeah, the trails in there are absolutely top-notch. I think they were set up for cross-country skiing back in the day, mm-hmm. so... I mean, it is it is a beautiful property, and as someone who's hiked a lot of different parts of the, the county, there's not many places that have that feeling where you feel like you're down in this valley, yeah. walking along the creek there, and and you're five minutes from the center of Fish Creek, one of the busiest places in Door County, and then it you just feel like you're yeah. gone. Yeah, if you could you could throw a stone and hit the condos, they're they're the condos are completely hidden. You're literally hundreds of yards from downtown Fish Creek. It's incredible that they were able to preserve it. It's a major win. Well, I think that's a, a great place to end this because it takes it full circle. Like the fights, the lessons from the documentary can be seen in some of those discussions today. And, and who knows what the next version of that is. We may think like, hey, we've got five state parks. We've got the land trust areas. We're done. But I'm sure there's other spaces that that's going to happen again. So remember, when that fight happens and it's lost, the lesson is just keep fighting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep at it. I mean, don't stop dreaming is what I would say is uh I would love to see the Ice Age Trail go all the way up to Rock Island, you know, with this trail effort happening. I'm like, yeah, that could be reality. You never know. So if conservation's your thing, you know, get involved, I would say. Get involved. Uh, even just volunteering for some of these organizations would be a huge help. You never know. And, and, and that's the other thing, too, about Door County. Great balance between preserve spaces and, and the amenities we love. That'll never change so long as we keep trying to preserve some of these spaces. Well, it'd be pretty damn cool if... 70 years from now, after we're long gone, somebody's making a film about the trail that we built through the county. Yeah, that'd be (laughs) awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, Brett, thank you for taking the time to hop in here. We've got some new projects that we're getting underway. Nothing we can talk about yet, but uh, some fun stuff. More exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. And then uh, again, the the documentary showing at Door Community Auditorium, 2 p.m. on Saturday, November 18th. See it on the big screen. It's really awesome to see the images of Door County. On a big screen, 
with a bunch of other people, appreciating it all together, and also seeing Door County as if you were watching one of these nature documentaries on HBO or something. It, it really is a new way to see the county just visually, and then you add the stories behind it. So great job on the documentary, Brett, and Thank thanks for jumping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Good seeing you. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.